1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and Riddle over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 132. And if you want to listen to this episode as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a wonderful rating and a review if you can do so. And knowing what this past week has been like, we would definitely appreciate them. So, with that being said, we have probably 132 complaints regarding the game that Juventus played a few days ago. So, let me bring in the crew here of Samuel Pressy. Hello, Samuel.
0: This is going to be great, man. I'm, I'm. We're talking about this. A game like this. My son has gone on a two-day nap strike, and hasn't. He has napped for 20 minutes over the past two days. I'm just. I'm in reform. Let's do this.
1: <laughs> all righty <laughs> we've got chucks hello chucks hey
2: yeah i'm uh coming to you from a well different place than i usually am i'm <laughs> i almost want to say i'm coming to you from this city in ohio but now i'm like wait i don't know i think it's um kind of taboo to disclose your exact location <laughs> online if
0: you, do, if you do elon musk will block you oh um,
2: touche <laughs> oh, that's a uh, good point uh yeah and you know yeah, so I'm uh, from a different location in uh in Ohio, but um yeah, hanging out my at my friend's house and uh but still with uh hopefully with the same energy as I usually have. So uh
1: let's uh let's get the show rolling. You got it, Chucks. And back with us after a week away. Sergio, great timing on your part. Hello, Sergio.
3: Yeah, hey fellas, happy to be here as always. Uh coming from Mexico City, Mexico, as always. <laughs> uh I don't know <laughs> Uh, it's a 25 million people city. Like it's, it's a lot of us live here, so no, no problem with me. disclosing that. <laughs> Good luck finding him.
1: Exactly. We always do the the takeaways from the week, and obviously, it would be a takeaway about one game. But do we want to do takeaways first, or do we want to play a little game that I played on Twitter the other day in anticipation of our podcast reporting?
0: Let's play the game. Give me. Let's let's do this. Okay. So after
1: the dust had settled a little bit. Uh, following Juventus' thumping at the hands of Napoli. I went to the Twitter machine and I asked our very loyal Twitter followers to uh, basically, if you could describe Juventus' performance in one word, what would that word be? And you guys, I will uh, bring forward a couple of those responses here as we get going, just for a little little uh, entertainment before we get to the uh, venting. And uh, a, a couple of weeks later, but Sam will like it, the airing of grievances. <laughs> that uh are for coming out of Juventus' Lost Annapolis slew We've got Allegri Ball, we've got inevitable, we've got you, we've got Allegri gives, Allegri takes, which I guess is more than one word. Uh fullbackless, unwatchable, <laughs> buns, Allegri predictable, humiliating, trash, abysmal, dissolution. And I think the best one was a, a GIF of MasterChef. I'm blanking out his name, but the one who screams at people on Hell's Kitchen. Gordon Ramsey. Gordon Ramsay. There we go. Pathetic. Uh,
3: no expletive. Good on everyone on Twitter.
1: That's right. Sergio, your takeaway from the week that was? Uh,
3: you know, I, I Napoli is a really good team. Napoli is really, <laughs> really good. Uh, it was, you know, they've had a lot of really good teams uh, for the last, you know, Five, six, seven years, you know, since Sari and, and everything. They have some really good teams, teams that challenge for the title. I think this might be their best. They're just a really, really good team, really well drilled. They know what they're doing. And, you know, they're ruthless. Like they have a, a top of the line striker in, in Victor Ossiman, Like they're just the most complete team, I think, that Napoli has had in, in in this century. I think. And and that game proved it. I think they're they're for real. And I think they're going to win the league. I regret to inform that they're not a fraud. They're not a joke. They're going to win the league. They're a really, really good team. Arguably, probably the best team I've seen this year, just in general. Uh, Better than PSG, you know, better than Benfica, obviously. I think they're just a really, really good team. And it sucks that I can't hate them because they're actually fun to watch. Like, they're everything I wish Juventus was, unfortunately. And... Gotta give them props for that. That that's really my main takeaway. All right, Sam,
0: go for it. Um, that's my take. No, just uh, <laughs> I, I that'd be a fitting takeaway after what we watched. It, right it's, now. it's really yeah. I mean that 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 would be that would fit uh, so many things. But in order to actually say some some human words, my takeaway is talking about warm chairs. You know, we had that Twitter question last week has Allegri done enough with the 8 game winning streak to get him to get the heat off of him? And we were saying, you know, maybe we, we were amenable to that idea last week. I'm starting to be less amenable to that idea again. <laughs> Cause I mean, as good as Napoli is, and Sergio is right. Napoli are a very good team this year. Spalletti has them playing very, very well. Y- you know, they know what they're doing and they do it very, very well. It shouldn't have been that bad. It should not like I was I was fully prepared to I, I was expect almost expecting a loss in this game. I was certainly not expecting to win it, but I was not expecting to be so utterly humiliated to the tune of a 30 year low in terms of of getting beaten down. It it should not have been this bad. And the reason it was this bad really comes down to some decisions that Allegri made that I think were Nonsensical, and I guess we'll be talking about that uh, as 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 the episode goes. A little bit, yeah. Little bit. But it, it's I I think Allegri Allegri had managed to turn the 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 burner down under his chair a little bit, but I think it's it's flared back up for me anyway.
1: All right, chucks Last one up.
2: Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the the amazing experience that Sergio had at CES uh, last week. Man, we're going to talk about All the. Right. Disappointments that was against no napoli.
1: no no distracting from the inevitable this week <laughs> no
2: nah, you can run but you can't hide no nah, my takeaway uh is, it's a very specific one and it's really down to um and i think we, we we uh talked about this a little bit in the slack channel sammy and i uh kind of talked about a little bit in the group but just the issue of uh, federico chiesa so okay now he played against napoli played on the right right wing back position which uh, you know is clearly not his optimal position and uh, for some reason I thought he had played that at Fiorentina I don't know why I, yeah just yeah I don't know why. maybe I was confusing him I don't know who I was confusing him with but might anyway. have been
0: with Bernardeschi. yeah Bernardeschi that was it right? yeah definitely did I thought
2: so yeah I was like I was thinking that the other day. I was like was I mixing it up with Bernardeschi maybe but I guess I was so well oh, there you go I'm um, the wrong fit uh, the wing the other the wrong Wing the other of wing Fede. Of
0: Fede.
2: yeah, the other the clipped one or some the kind clipped. of metaphor. I don't know, continue the metaphor. but yeah, we're gonna have to or we I like gonna have to figure out what to do with Chiesa, uh going forward because in terms of if we're gonna play a three five two, I mean the only position I can think of that he fits in is where Di Maria plays and well, he actually had a very good game, uh, di Maria against uh, against Napoli. So then, you know, if you're going to leave him on to play him, there's nowhere else he can play. I mean, I can't think of any other, in just in a 3-5-2 just specifically. So, you know, I guess my takeaway is like obviously, you know, my general concern about just how that game went, but then really the big concern for me is how are we going to basically fit our best player into the team? It's either going to be switch formation or bench Di Maria which okay but I mean benching Di Maria is you know, possible I mean the guy's injured every 30 seconds so you know but yeah I mean that's my biggest kind of worry takeaway I guess I'll call it that like I mean for any team like if you can't figure out how to integrate your best player into the team that's you know really problematic and kind of on a slightly unrelated well actually I guess I'm related or related because well he's from Argentina but um, I think back with Argentina and, and the issue they had before they became world champions of Messi, just like, in general, Messi playing with Argentina. And, you know, we'll remember a time when, I mean, not so long ago, really, I'd say like three years ago, when his play with Argentina was nowhere near like how he played at Barcelona. And I remember Argentina, Argentinian fans really got on his back and like said, oh, you're just, a you're actually a Catalan. You're not really Ar- Argentine. You just... Keep your best play for them and not for us, and and again, that's that was a case where it was like you know your best player of Argentina, your best player, you can figure out how to fit him into the team to to optimize for his strengths, and well, thankfully they figured it out now, and you know, boom, there you go, world champions. But I'm pretty worried, I guess, that we'll fall into the same trap and yeah, basically get into the situation again where, I mean, what a just a dramatic waste that would be if we couldn't figure out how to reintegrate i guess because we had integrated him well uh, before his injury Uh, reintegrate our best player into into our starting lineup and into a system that optimizes for his strengths and doesn't you know punt him out to right wing back to clearly not play to his his best abilities
1: well it's just completely ironic that all of this comes and we're recording here just a few hours after he scored uh, a couple of really nice goals is that Juventus is now playing a formation in which Paulo Dybala had some of his best years at Juventus in essentially and now here we are basically using a 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1 call it whatever you want but one of those two attackers is a guy who plays on the wing normally and had a very good game in the World Cup final on the wing Juventus's best player is a winger so you know, I understand why Allegri has stuck with this formation because it's the one that has racked up eight straight wins before Napoli, but now he's kind of shocker, stuck to his guns and not shifted tactically and formationally because his best player is back. And I forget who's who's mentioned this on Twitter, but I was just kind of nodding my head, which for an audio medium is great. But <laughs> here's Allegri using a three-five-two with Chiesa at right wing back, which probably makes your team not as good defensively, but then you're taking away your best player's best asset, which is his attacking ability. So you're, in a way, making your team worse than they were with him not in the starting lineup because, you know, albeit whoever was playing out there before, whether it was Juan Quadrado or somebody else, In a way, I feel better with Juan Cuadrado playing defensively than Federico Chiesa just because Federico Chiesa is just such a good attacker that he doesn't necessarily need to play defense the way that Juan Cuadrado does. Or he shouldn't. He shouldn't. That's basically what I'm trying to say. He should not be playing right wing back by any means. Yet here we are and Federico Chiesa in the biggest game of the year with the chance to cut the Serie A lead down to four points is playing a position that I don't think any of us or any Juventus fan really wanted to see him playing.
0: Oh, and this is something that bugs me about Allegri and Allegri's type of coach. The 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 guys that that you know they they don't have a system, you know, like the the Guardiolas of the world, and they they you know they don't have one set system to they don't have a default because Allegri spent the entire summer. Working off the idea that we were going to play a 4-3-3 this year with Kostic and Di Maria and Chiesa somehow fitting around the, all along those wings. And just like he did pretty much every year he was at Juventus the first time, he has started the season out in the formation that he built the team that the team was built for this year was it built the best for it? I mean, obviously the lack of fullbacks is a problem. But this is what it was built for this year. And now halfway through the year, we have changed to a new formation that will cause a lot of problems in terms of how the team is built. And like like my hope is that he'll drop back into a 4-man line when either Cuadrado or DeCilio comes back and he has a pure fullback, somebody who can play a pure, pure fullback role so that we can get back to having Chiesa in the positions he needs to be in. But this is one of Max's biggest issues is that he'll, he'll throw things around and see if it, if it sticks to the wall and if it does great. And sometimes it works wonderfully like, you know, the, the 16, 17 season, when you, you break out the four, two, three, one, you know, Mandzukic improbably works as a, as a left winger, and you continue on your, your merry way and all the way to the final, and then by which the fact that you don't have the depth for that formation eventually bites you. You know, this, that, that, that's not this. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of guys that are at their best in positions that this formation does not support. And like you said, Danny, you know how, how do you go through? How do you go about that? You know how do you avoid making your team worse? And I, I saw this. Somebody tweeted this. It was a tw- It was a quote. A quote <laughs> <laughs> from. Well, uh, it was a quote from Sport that they had translated, but it was it was somebody saying in a in a Tutosport article, Chiesa cannot become a problem.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he is your best player. He cannot become a problem on the field. And getting him out there cannot become a problem, so that has to be rectified, and that has to be rectified really, really sorry, Couch, really fast. Because if it's not, we're just going to keep seeing this, and we're just going to keep having games like this against teams that are that are that are better than us.
3: Yeah, I, I think, and, and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. I, I don't remember in which episode, but there was something probably the, the one before the season restarted, but. This was something that we talked about, right? Like how is the team gonna manage or how is the team gonna adapt when you know Kiesa is back, when Pogba is back, when Blachovic is back, and suddenly you're Di Maria even, and suddenly the formation that has, you know, given you so much so much success in 2022, which was this 352, suddenly is not the best position to fit those guys in, right? Like that was a legit concern that we had. And so far, you know, it's it's proven to be, you know, just sticking the course. Not the right choice after that Napoli game. It was obviously not the best place to put Chiesa in. You got blown out by a really, really good team, but you got blown out nevertheless. That was obviously not the, the right choice. But to me, you know, obviously it didn't work out. I just can't, you know, bring myself to put all that much blame onto Allegri because he was kind of like in an impossible situation. He really was. And I know Sam is, is making a phase there. <laughs> you know, the, other option, because the other option is you know you won eight straight games, eight straight clean sheets, and then you switch everything up because Kiesa is back. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, yes, you do that because he's your best player. Screw it. That was his first start in the year. It was a risk. It was another risk because then you have to line up with you know Bremer and who? Bonucci Rugani. Then you're starting Daniela Rugani in a big time game. With no fullbacks, because again, like this squad is remains flawed. Like this 3 5 2 came about because of injuries, because of how weirdly built this team was, because you had really one reliable center back, you still have one reliable center back. Just switching to a 433 solves the Chiesa issue. Absolutely. It creates another issue. The fact that you don't have any fullbacks, and now you're starting either Bonucci or Rugani on a consistent basis none of them which are like particularly enjoyable prospects either so you know he probably should have done it after seeing that game probably should have done it but I can't really blame a guy that's like okay we've played this formation incredibly well for the last month and a half two months am I going to switch it up in the biggest game of the season that's another risk and that could have panned out like also pretty badly like you we just don't know and obviously with hindsight we know that you know the three five two formation wasn't the best one, and I'm very interested to see how they move forwards after after this game, especially with Paul Pogba coming back. You know, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to start lining up Kies and that four thirty three? I don't know. I think now you definitely have to look into making a different formation, making a change, trying to fit your team again. But in this current game, I saw that starting lineup. I was like, I have no problem with the starting lineup. Maybe Mckinney. You know, maybe be a little bit more bold. Start Miretti or Fagioli instead of Mekini. That was really the only thing that I saw. That's like, yes, I would have done this differently. Because other than that, that formation and that way of playing and the lineup won you eight eight straight, put you right back into the, the the middle of 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 the Scudetto race when you had absolutely no business being there. Sometimes, sometimes it is about you know dancing with the one that that brought you there and. You know, they did that. They took that that risk. Didn't really quite work out. Uh, we can talk this a little bit more in, in detail, but, you know, your best center back gives two goals away in, in, you know, arguably the most pivotal moments of the game. Sometimes that happens. And I do think Napoli is a better team. I think they, they deservedly won. I think it's also sometimes you have a bad game against a really good team and they just blow you out. I, I don't really see that. Oh, it's 100% his fault. He should have made that switch. I I think he was, you know, the the moves he made were pretty defensible, in my opinion, overall. It was just a bad game against a really, really good team. And now, now it's time to see if that switch should happen, and if it happens, how he fixes the other flaws, the other, you know, weaknesses that are going to come about when you switch to that 4-3-3, because it's not a perfect, you don't have the team to run that formation perfectly either. So, it's going to be interesting pretty much is, is pick your poison. Like there, there's no perfect formation right now for Juventus. They're going to have to pick their poison. And I'm very interested to see where, where that leads.
2: Sam, I'm sure you want to – I was going to go next, but I'm sure I, you want to
0: – I mean, I I just don't really agree with that just because of the, the titanic – playing Chiesa as a wingback was not just a risk it was a thing that he'd never done before it's a thing that he has no instinct for and and I'll ta- and I'll say yeah is is a 433 is a is a something with a four man back line you know does that potentially expose us as a, a, in the fullback area yes but And the center back area does, does does it does that outweigh being able to utilize your very best player who when he is in his his form he is one of the one of the best players in the world starting his very first game like you know he's not
3: in his top form that that's another thing like he's not peak chieza bossing the euros like that was his first start that's too pretty
0: so. damn good I'll say that and to counter that point it's his first start since coming off that injury why have him do something that he's never done before yeah in that first start
3: yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's I do think it's fair to question it. I do think it's fair to say maybe this wasn't the best thing. I don't think it's as obvious today, Sunday after they got blown out five-one, than when it was before the game. And then you know, the, just the des- the decision at the time. I think it's defensible. Now, now I do agree with you. Okay, you tried Kies at wing back, didn't work out. What are you gonna do next? Like I do think that now we have to talk about should you switch back to that four-two-three. I I do think. This obviously didn't work, but I think at the time it was a pretty defensible, defensible move. That that's that's really my my point.
2: Yeah, and I mostly agree with Sergio. And I mean, I try to look back at decisions like when people make decisions, and when people in hindsight then make mistakes, I try to judge it as like, okay, what information did they have available at the time? Based on the information that they had at the time, was it a rational decision, or was it a defensible decision or just you know in that in that context is um, anything
1: with, with max allegory rational no i, I mean honestly <laughs> i
2: would say almost too rational really because i i think he's almost too not emotional enough like he looks at it just i don't know i think that's a discussion for another day <laughs> anyway
1: i think um, i think the word you're looking for chucks is risk averse
2: yes yes actually yes yes
1: that's <laughs> a good point
2: <laughs> my wife and i've been talking about that a lot actually risk aversion but yeah, so, I mean, in terms of his uh, decision to start is at right wing back, I agree. I think that was I mean, a poor decision. And he almost seemingly admitted as much. I like because I think about twenty ish minutes into the game, he switched to left wing back actually or left wing ish because I'm just looking at the heat map here um as well. And-,
1: and just to just pose a question to you at that point, what was the score? Wasn't it already I mean, two nothing? I'm
2: Sorry, pretty sure 2-0. it was two nothing yeah. already. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was because let me see the two nothing happened. Yeah, three. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, two nothing already at the time. So then you know a switch like that basically admits you got something wrong, right? And which again, I appreciate then that you admit that and then do something about it rather than you know stubbornly stick to it. So you know, fair play to Aleke in that respect. But it seems as well that we switched basically from a 3 5 2 to sort of a 3 because I'm looking at McKenney's heat map and he is smack out on the right wing, right wing back position, really. I mean, once I look at it, the darkest green position is really way out there on the wing on the right. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting switch there that he made that basically to a 3 4 3 of uh, McKenney as a right wing back and then look at the which would,
0: have been, which would have been a legitimate way to start the match, if you ask me. If you're going to go with a three-man back line. If you started in a fourth in a three-four-three three with with Chiesa and and Di Maria around the striker, that's a valid way to go.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think I try and look at okay, what are the strengths we're playing to? We're, we're playing to our you know the strengths of our wingers. I mean, McKennie not. But, you know, uh, as a right wing back then, you know, the strengths of our wingers being Kostić, Di Maia, Chiesa. The weakness slash risk that you then run into is that there's a 2v3 in center midfield. And, you know, obviously their midfield is, I mean, just, you know, bang on top.
0: That midfield was eating us alive three on three, so.
2: Right, right, exactly right. Um, So, you know, there's a risk there. Um, I think the other risk then is, and I kind of touched on this last week about um, McKenny playing right wing back up against uh Udoje against uh Udinese, which thankfully that went well at the time. But then, well, yeah, uh, McKenny up against um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it would be uh,
0: Kras- yeah,
2: Glad yeah, Kras- yeah. Kras- then, um, which you know, that's I mean, that's a like way to baptize him in against one of the better left wing backs last week, and then you play him against arguably the best left winger now, you know, and yeah, that that was um. Well, interestingly, you know, with Vasquez, I looking at the first half, I honestly, thought he wasn't all that great. Really, in the first half, I didn't think he did all that much. Second half, yeah, I mean, he ran riot then. But first half, I thought I thought we contained him quite well. So I don't really know. Well, I don't know what happened anyway. Halftime <laughs> for the team period, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, going back to the old Chiesa thing again, I think the main mistake was not necessarily the formation. I think it was playing a player completely out of position. At that point, as a three five uh, on the right wing back, I think really, I think if he was going to play three five two, then I think he would have just for this game anyway, he would have just, I guess, benched Chiesa and just put someone who's a natural. Yeah. Which would have been what I mean, I guess either McKenny or you put Danilo and then put Gatti I, I mean, or something.
1: Th- that's the thing. And I, I replied to somebody in the comments about this afterwards is that essentially if your tactical flexibility, comes down to the availability of Juan Cuadrado and or Mattia DeCiglio. <laughs> that shows you something about this roster. Because Juventus can have all of the attacking wingers they want, whether it's Kostic, Di Maria, Chiesa, all three available like we saw this week. If you don't have a backup to play as a right wing back, or hell, even a fullback if they go to a four-man back line right now. I mean, we look, we look at it. Who is there to play fullback right now outside of Alexandro and Danilo? There's nobody, unless they call up somebody from the next-gen squad, right? So, I mean, you're going into your most important games of the season as you're trying to close the gap on Napoli with both of your starting fullbacks, essentially, playing as center backs in a three-man back line. So you're, you're screwed, and this is the situation, you know, Juventus made this bed. And now they're dealing with it. And when you are in need of somebody to cover at right wing back with no Juan Cuadrado, you got nobody. Because the only other guy who's who can play there is hurt.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment
3: If anything hangs on the ability or talent of Matias Siglio, like it's already it's already broken, like it's already wrong. And, you know, re- rethink it. Like if you have to to rely on that guy for anything, then the plan is wrong and you have to rethink it. That's, that's definitely true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean,
2: it, that but then plus again, I mean, your alternative was and Sergio, you touched on this earlier. The alternative was to, you know, switch to the four-man back line, but then it's like, okay, you have Bremer, and then, you know, you either have to trust Lugani or, yeah, Gatti, who's, you know, obviously not bad, but, I mean, yeah. It's obviously, he's still pretty raw, and then to put him up against one of CIA's best strikers right now, Victor Oshiman, who very conveniently missed the African Cup of Nations, I'll have you know. um, um Some, you know, what was it? I forget how long ago it was, but you know, so a little bummed
1: about that. <laughs> but, but um that's your Nigerian bias coming out, Chucks. Yep, yeah, sure, sure is, yeah. He missed, yeah.
0: Didn't he miss because he broke his
2: face. Hey man, Youngman Youngman's son uh, broke his eye socket. Brother came out for South Korea. He's like, I am not missing this, and he turned up for the World Cup, man. You're no, just you're I mean, just I'm angry. So,
1: you're just so, angry, so, Chucks. You're yeah, angry, yeah.
2: yeah. Because we lost a Tunisia, and I don't know, it was such a waste, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> this, bringing I, back I, old I,
1: grudges. Here we go. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I again, I have to stop myself going off tangents too much, but like I said, I'm semi joking, but no, you're not. Yeah, so you know, with the fullback and um center back situation, I mean, Danilo obviously could have you know played right back if we'd gone back to the four man back line, but then again, like we said, or like Sergio said. You know, you have Bremer, who already had a catastrophic game um, on Friday. And then, well, you're going to trust what? Bonucci, Ugani, Gatti. I think that's maybe even that's the bigger problem, really. The fact that we only have one center back we really trust. I mean, you know. You talk- it's, the,
1: it's the depth in defense as a whole. These days. Yeah, it's like we have
2: the numbers. It's no matter not- where
1: you look. Left back, center back, right back. There's injuries, and there's really nobody to cover. that. I mean, that's... You know, like we said earlier at the top of the show, that is why Max Allegri went with a three-man backline. There was basically nobody else he could play. He had three defenders available.
2: And the funny thing is, it's like now we have midfield, central midfield was like the bane of our existence for years, and now we have like too many, really? Well, the, <laughs> the midfield
1: that? is another issue, which I'm going to pose a, pose a question to, to you after uh, Sergio and San say something here.
0: No, I was going to say, the other major criticism of Max Allegri I have for this game is rolling out the McKenny Locatelli Rabio midfield trio that we have known for two years now does not work. <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I do think if I if I have a criticism on a like there's not so much the formation, it's that it's I understand going with experience, like I get that, like it's the biggest game of the season. I just don't really get you know, why, like, why you have confidence on Minetti Fagioli against PSG in the Champions League and not, you know, against Napoli, you know, it's, it's complicated to me to make a case that McKinney was in, in better form or more used to it. Like, it, it's hard for me to make the case that at least one of those guys shouldn't be in that, in that McKinney spot. That to me is is the biggest, biggest issue I had with that. With that lineup, because I do think they've shown enough that they can play in those big games, and that they complement the midfield so much better than what Makini does. That is so similar to what Raviot already does that you know it did, it really didn't make a lot of sense. And that that is my biggest criticism of, of Allegri because that was that was just a weirdly cautious, weirdly conservative call to make after you you know you've shown that you have no problem starting those guys in. Arguably, at the time, bigger games like Miretti was starting in the first PSG game when you still had like a lot to play for in in Champions League, you know, in your Champions League campaign. So that I did not understand. I think that is a, a very, very decent, a b- very good criticism of him because that was that was kind of like there was no real good explanation for that decision.
1: Yeah, my my main question is basically, what the heck does Nicolò Fagioli have to do to get regular <laughs> playing time when? there are actually other midfielders available because we've seen it. We've talked about it on this podcast where
0: he scored more goals so, than the rest of the midfield combined. hasn't he? Yeah.
1: We're, we're <laughs> so many of his teammates have talked about the energy that he's brought, not just the skill, just the energy that he's brought to the team. And then what he has one bad game and all of a sudden he's stuck on the bench. I mean, I know, you know, we could be, be painted as, you know, proclaiming from our soapbox you know play the kids play the kids but you're basically giving them one game of of not great showing and then it's like okay well back to the uh the veterans and i don't know it's just it's got to be frustrating because you're such a part of the team's success and then all of a sudden the big game that you've probably been looking forward to for months knowing where the world cup break was in the schedule and then you're on the bench and yeah, I don't know. It's it's confusing because Juventus did so many things right when certain players were in the lineup, and then Max just kind of reverts back to his usual self where it's like, nah, we need that experience. And the experience did not work. I mean, Moise Keane, another one. Moise Keane scores five goals in five games. Oh, yeah. right. Right. And all of a sudden he's
0: now now he can't get consistent run after the World Cup. What the what the hell's going on? that at least is a little bit more acceptable to me because Milik is also in really good form and, and has been all season. But, you know, I, I would have started, I would have seen what the two of them together might've done, you know, instead of all right, all right. It, it, it's just it, oh, no, but there's, there's so much, you know, the minute that somebody who is older and more experienced gets in, in the midfield, very much. So the minute somebody is, who is older and more experienced gets healthy again, the the playing time for for Fajoli and, and Miretti evaporates. And that can't happen because, like you said, Danny, they have so much of the energy of that eight-game winning streak came down to them. And and so much of the, the attitude of this team that was really starting to turn and really starting to look like, you know, the Juve of old of this is Juve, this is how we play. It was coming from them because they grew up with it as kids, and that's what they know to play, to do as a player, because they were young Juventini watching the Conte and early Allegri teams doing that. And then it, it all goes to hell in the, in the biggest game of the year, because, you know, from the first goal onward, we just kind of looked deflated and we we came out really flat. It's dumb. It needs to stop.
2: Yeah, so much for a meritocracy,
0: huh? <laughs> it's never been a meritocracy. Italian football's <laughs> never been a meritocracy. Italian football's always been it's a, a
1: maxocracy.
0: Uh, it's always been hierarchy by age. <laughs> yeah, an
2: ageocracy, aged. <laughs> I
0: don't know what the, I don't know what the ocracy, what the actual ocracy is there. I'm sure there is. Now. <laughs> yeah. But so there have been so many players, you know, in so many years in around Italian football that just never got that chance. Look at Ciro Immobile. You know, what would Ciro Immobile be? What would Juve's front line look like right now if we had let Ciro Immobile have some, have a chance and he started firing early on? You know, the way he did it, Torino, the way he's been doing it, Lazio. Like, you know, he still would be crap for the national team, but at least the club goals would be good. Would, I was would about be- to say, it's
1: <laughs> a good thing that Juventus's jersey isn't blue. Yeah. <laughs> at least that shade of blue.
0: Yeah, right. I watched... Immobile play a friendly I think it was it was Conte's first season they came out and played a uh, played a friendly against Club America at in City Field in Queens <laughs> and uh, and I'm pretty sure Immobile played in that game because he was still in the academy at the time but I'm like you know so many of those players you know you can name a lot of players in, in any Italian team who have you know been highly regarded coming out of the Primavera get loaned out interminably, leave to go somewhere. And then, you know, we have, we have one in Manuel Locatelli, who just got no play at Milan for whatever reason under Gennaro Gattuso gets sent to Sassuolo. And now we have, and, and, and that, their loss was our gain in that regard. But we, we need to let these, especially since we don't know how the finances are going to be affecting us. You know, we don't know what the next few transfer windows are going to look like. We've got to rely on these kids because they might be all we've got.
1: And you, you don't know the health of your best midfielder going forward long-term. Yeah. You just don't. (laughs) It's
0: hard to even call him that right now because we really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I I mean.
1: You just don't know what he's, I mean, yeah, it'll be great to see him come back, but you know, 2024, 25. I mean, honestly, who, what other club is going to go for Paul Pogba right now, but. You know, a few years down the road as Paul Pogba gets into his 30s, <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what that, that body is going to be like, knowing what is dealt with the last three, four years. But uh, let me pose a question to you guys before we get to Twitter questions. Are you worried about Bremer or are you just thinking this is a
0: one off? Because, no, that was a bad game. I, I think <laughs> it was a bad game. Yeah. I just think it was a bad game. Yeah. It's, it's one of the... Yeah.
2: Weird. Same. Yeah it's, I mean, yeah, it was just a one-off, a terrible time to have a bad game, but yeah, yeah, a bad game. I, I couldn't come to, you know, suddenly saying some kind of, uh, conclusive statement about his form or his ability just based on one game. Uh, that said, I mean, you know, the mark of great or the difference, I guess, between great and like world-class, you know, above truly, truly world-class players is, I mean, how you turn up in the biggest games. And I, gonna fill that test uh, on friday but um (laughs) yeah but that said also the mark of truly great players is how they respond and great teams you know how they respond to really significant setbacks like these so you know it's i think it's a mark of your character how you respond to uh to a game like this or to a performance like this uh a personal performance like this and well you have a good opportunity against uh, another big game against atalanta
1: i was just about to say it's a good thing that juventus's next Serie A opponent uh hasn't done anything noteworthy of like, <laughs> oh wait atalanta <laughs> just put about 20 goals on Salernitana this weekend
2: yeah that was a bit absurd that was a i was telling a friend of mine i was like that's the most un-Italian game i've seen i've ever read in a while which granted though i did you know i did look a little bit and Okay, eight two. I mean that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> but before that though, like so they scored 34 goals now. So that minus those eight goals. And I'm like, wait, they only scored 26 goals before that, which is actually less than us. So, you know, in fairness, before this weird stuff happened, they weren't actually scoring all that much.
0: I mean, I, I, I am very interested, intrigued by this kit, that Danish kit that they've got going. Oh yeah. Hoyland it that, that look that he looks like an interesting name to keep track of also on the Salernitana side there Hans Nicolusi Cavilius scored their second goal he,
1: he did and uh also Salernitana rough rough game for your boy uh memo Ochoa, huh? Sergio?
3: yeah he he has an habit of you know just playing with teams <laughs> that routinely get their you know doors blown off he's just uh you know he, he, he's a good keeper that just not a great keeper, so a lot of like relegation-bound teams give him, him a shot. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, a bunch of saves though, so it could have been worse.
1: All right, shall we get to some Twitter questions here, gentlemen?
0: Yes, let's do mm, it. Let's kick it.
1: All right, first one here from at tw Kovac. So Federico Chiesa maybe isn't a wing back. <laughs> well,
2: conclusive no to that one. <laughs> Or, or no, wait, what's what they say in that show? Uh, survey says no.
1: Survey says no.
2: Yeah, my dad always watches, shamefully. Uh, my dad always watches, like, it every day.
1: Family feud The, Chuck's, fun, the
0: Chuck's family feud. Because <laughs> I'm like, man,
2: my dad is way too intelligent to be watching
1: such basic shows
2: like that.
0: Come on. The isn't the idiots that think that they've had a great answer when they're like, you know.
1: If you had to put together a five-person Juventus family feud team, who would it be? This is a total tangent, but we have to go with it.
2: Oh, I thought that was a Twitter
1: question. <laughs> no, no, I'm going out. I'm inserting my own Twitter question here.
0: Current or overall? Uh, current. Let's go current. current. Current, I would say Chiesa. Chiesa's definitely got to be on there. Uh, Pinto's got to be on there.
1: Okay, that's two. Let me think? That'd be great if it was a Twitter question, wouldn't it be, Chuck? Like,
2: <laughs> I re-
0: red or mine? Juan's got to be on there.
2: I would say Locatelli just because he looks intelligent. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got someone that's like I don't know, finishes uh, A levels or something, so and, uh, at least.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put Locatelli on there, and uh, and go with Walsh. Just I, I don't know. I feel like Walsh.
2: Yeah, he you know. seems semi-intelligent too. So.
1: No, I should say. Should would he would he be smoking a cigarette to uh, appease Hunter?
0: Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the House of Representatives. <laughs> uh. <laughs> right, right. Oh man.
1: Sergio, do you have a Family Feud team that you'd like to submit?
3: I don't really know what Family Feud is. So <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: To be fair, I only found out like I don't know five years ago. Because I well basically when I moved back to the US, I guess. So yeah.
1: All right. Kind of going off of what we were talking here earlier from uh honestly, I'm just gonna not even try this this Twitter account because it's way too many letters I don't understand. But anyways. Uh, why are we still continuing with a three-man backline when we have Federico Chiesa, Angel de Maria, Sule, and Samuel Elling Jr., Danilo and Sandro, can play as, this is the weird part, inverted fullbacks. We oh, we have attacking prowess, but somehow it's being used to defend as a right wing back.
2: Inverted fullbacks. So well, this is a Pep Guardiola team? <laughs> exactly.
0: Danny, you said it earlier. Ingres and bad squad construction. It was, you know, there's there's just nobody to play those positions right now and it's unfortunate but you know we're still trying to get out from under the the stupidness that Paratici did when he was when he was making out this roster and it's going to take a bit
3: yeah yeah same uh, I think I think we already talked about this it's, it's you know pick your, your own post there's really no perfect formation to play in the three-man backline was giving you solid results uh, but yeah, now you suddenly have too much offensive fire firepower sitting on the bench that you really don't have anywhere to put in. Uh, you know, play a three-man midfield. Now you have too many midfielders that you don't know where to fit. Like it's just, you know, it's a weirdly built team that I don't really think there's a perfect formation out there. It's just, you know, which position group do you want to take the most advantage of and, and which one do you want to sacrifice? I think that's pretty much what what you have to ask yourself if, if you're Max Allegri. And I being Max Allegri, being who he is. I really doubt that he's going to go with the, you know, more offensively minded of of the options. I really don't think that's going to be the case.
2: Yeah, I'm actually okay with like, I mean, again, we touched on this earlier, but um, I'm actually okay with the central midfield position or situation rather, just given the likelihood of injuries and, and all that. So like I said, I think the bigger worry for me is the fact that we have, uh, one two three center backs that we semi trust in you know a big in big games and just in general I guess because you know Danilo could have played right wing back but then you know again like we said are there yeah. enough besides Bremer, and are there enough center backs that we actually genuinely trust and then we have a, you know left back playing left center back as well with Alexandro. so yeah it's all a bit uh, choppy and awkward <laughs>
1: To piggyback off of something Chuck said again, and this won't involve the Family Feud this time, do you guys want to throw out a number of how many games you think Leonardo Bonucci might play the rest of the year? Because I'm starting to think it's not going to be very many.
2: Ooh, um, let's see how many games we have left. It's, so it's, basically,
1: it's basically the second half of the season, half, yeah. and then whatever happens in the Coppa Italia and Europa League.
0: Man. I'm going to say 10 or 15.
1: Yeah. I'll say even, yeah, the lower end of the.
0: It wouldn't surprise me if once he's healthy, depending on how far we go down into the Copa, the Copa might be his realm yeah. and maybe the Europa League. Because it it does seem like Max is super, Max is laser focused on making sure we're top four next year. So he might focus less on those two. So I, I feel like he might end up being the a cup player, whereas he doesn't play much in the league unless unless he has to.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'd say ten to twelve. Same. I think it's going to depend on whether how how further they progress in Copa and Europa League. Because if if it's Europa League, then you have more games to play. So that's that's really going to be the decider.
1: All right. Next question here from at Jan Sizier. Can Juventus cancel Cambiaso's loan to Bologna right now, like oh. Newcastle did with Dubravka's loan to United? What is the upside of not doing it?
0: The upside of not doing it is that he probably won't play anyway because he's not old <laughs> enough in Allegri's eyes. Ah. <laughs> uh, however, I, I firmly hope that they would. It would be a good, you know. I mean, Cambiasso has played well on his loan. He's genuinely a, a, a an exciting young talent in that position. I think he he led the league in progressive passes from the left back position last year. So yeah, it would be a good idea. I just don't think they'll do
3: it. It's it's fun that you know we're we're sitting here talking about how we have no fullbacks and how you know we have no no depth at that position and Juventus currently has Cambiaso and Pellegrini out on loan just for really no reason at all like they could be that that fullback depth that that we needed they just loaned them out for really no good reason considering how how thin they were at the position. You would think that the three man backline was you know the, the plan from the get go and it wasn't, like, it really wasn't. Like, they transitioned to that. It's just just baffling, baffling, you know, squad building choices. Re- really, it's been, you know, unconscionable decision one after the other. And, and that's how you end up with this roster in which no formation really, you know, fits perfectly to it. It's just, you know, between Paratici and this just weird move from the now gone board. It's just, you know, it's weird. It's just all very weird.
2: To be fair, we need more someone on the right though than on the left, I suppose,
1: right? Inverted fullbacks, baby.
2: Oh god. Pep Guardiola, are you watching? <laughs> or listening, sorry. <laughs>
1: that's right. He's he's still coming to manage Juventus, like Montblano reported a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> uh,
2: still waiting on them hot takes, man.
1: That's right. Uh, last question here. We'll wrap things up on a, a amusing note from Tim Dole on Instagram, do you think Allegri could play the game pin the tail on the donkey with no blindfold and actually put the tail where it goes?
0: No, he would think that the tail belongs somewhere else and, uh, <laughs> and and try desperately to put it like, you know, behind the foreleg or something like that and say that that's where it should be where I, that's where I think it goes. So it, it, it can go there.
1: I can't, <laughs> I can't top that. Should we just should we just end on that?
2: <laughs> I was gonna try and figure out some kind of joke about how he likes defending in a deep back line. I don't know. I, I couldn't figure it out quickly enough, so I'll just uh tip my hat off to that one and uh, <laughs> leave it at that. That's
0: right. And let and, and at least it, you know we were we, we had a, such a terrible day this week. At least we didn't put out the tweet that Torino put out today.
2: Oh, yes. right, right, I think I saw one, yeah.
0: Kevin yeah, Spacey, coming was, to visit. That was, yeah. that was, did, did nobody tell him?
1: Nah. Did I mean, it, it's Italy, so they might not even care. Uh, I was going to say. Uh, yeah. gonna say. <laughs> we know that uh, that that Torino uh, management team, not exactly the, uh, how do I put this, not exactly the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, probably not exactly the most progressive.
2: Anyways, yeah, I think so. this is kind of unrelated, but uh, Silvio Berlusconi with now he's at head of Monzon, all that. I think a few weeks ago, no, I think it was over Christmas. He had some,
1: yep. at a, yeah, he at a Christmas yep.
2: party or something about saying I like, yeah, hey, let's just bring him or no, whoever uh, scores against Milan, you get a busload of prostitutes or something. I'm like, yep. oh,
1: he, he was gonna lord. bring in some hookers. <laughs> My <I'm like>, lord, <laughs> good old, good old Silvio.
2: And then people got mad at him, obviously. But I don't know. Part oh, I'm, jo- like,
1: I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. But part of me was just like, Dude, guys, what do you expect from
2: Berlusconi? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. The guy's like eight thousand years old. Like, wait, you think yeah, he grew man. up in the uh, progressive era? No, uh, I mean,
1: and somehow he looks younger than Galliani over I'm at glad, yeah. Yeah. Uncle Fester. Classic surgery, man. Yep. That's right. Yeah, because you are right. worth it. <laughs> All right. We will wrap things up on that note. Thank you guys for the Twitter and Instagram questions. We always appreciate them. Uh, If you want to send them into us on Twitter, feel free to do so at Juventus nation on the Twitter machine. uh, Follow us there as well as on Facebook, as well as on Instagram Uh, search black and white and red all over Uh, same to search for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple podcasts, Spotify or Google podcasts. If you do listen on Apple podcasts or Spotify, a nice five-star rating and a review would be wonderful to pick us up after watching Juventus' defense try to stop Napoli. So, for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys, hopefully in a better mood, next week.